And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. This morning, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, as Paul mentioned earlier, we start tomorrow, that's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we start our Daniel fast or complete fast, whatever you choose to do. You know, we fast and pray in January as a congregation, and then we do it in the spring, usually in March, and then we fast and pray during the summer. We had scheduled this uh, back in July, but then we ended up doing VBS during those days, and so we changed it to this week, and then we'll also do it again in October, and, and the reason we fast and pray is not, I'll just tell you this, I don't know that fasting is one of God's better ideas. I, I, I've, I've talked to him about that because I, I like to eat, you know. I, in fact, I like that. There's a scripture in the, in the King James Version of 1 Corinthians where Paul says, I he said, I buffet my Bible. I'm in my, not my Bible, my body. He said, I buffet my body. And, and that was a way back in the 16th century to say that I keep my body under discipline. Well, I heard one preacher saying, man, Paul says we're supposed to buffet our body, so I go to the buffet every chance I get. <laughs> well, I don't particularly like to fast. I like to eat. And yet Jesus said some things only come by prayer and by fasting. There's some victories you're not going to have in your life except but by prayer and by fasting. Jesus also in Matthew 6 teaching the disciples, he says, and when you fast, not if you fast, he didn't say if things get so bad, finally of last resort, you might think about fasting and praying. He says, and when you fast, the Apostle Paul, who was an amazing guy, it's amazing that the Apostle Paul wrote almost half the New Testament, that he established almost every church we know of in the New Testament. Paul said this, he says, I fast often. Well, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, August 5th, 6th, and 7th are days of prayer and fasting. I'm encouraging you to participate in any way you can. You may want to do a complete fast. You may want to go on a partial fast. You may want to do a, a Daniel fast. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. You may uh, want to miss a meal here or there. We're going to have the church will be open. We'll be having prayer meetings on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 12 noon from 12 to 1. And then again at 7 p.m. from 7 until 8 p.m. The Bible says that God's people shall be willing in the day of his power. I'm just believing that we're going to get over 100 people that are going to choose to participate in this and be willing and obedient in the day of God's power. Again, you know, fasting isn't our, our idea. We would probably choose to a banquet table. But there's something that happens when we push away the plate and we press into God. There's something that happens inside you and happens inside me. So here we are in Daniel chapter 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. We'll start at verse 1. It says, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah. Let's just stop right there. Everybody say Judah. See, Israel had had a civil war. There was the north and there was the south. And the north is now called Israel. Their headquarters is in Samaria. The south is now called Judah. And they have the city of Jerusalem. So this is the king of the southern territory of Israel called Judah. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, 
king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who've been brought to Babylon as captives. Now, dear ones, Isaiah in chapter 39, verse 7, had prophesied that the nation of Judah was going to be destroyed by the Babylonians and that some of the royal family would be taken captive back to Babylon. He actually prophesied this to King Hezekiah. Now, dear ones, why did he do that? He did it because Judah had turned from worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Judah had started worshiping Molech. They had started burning their children alive as living sacrifices. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants to take our babies. The devil wants to take our children. They started giving their children to Satan, and they were also worshiping the Baals, and God says, I can't take anymore. Well, everybody hear me and listen on this first Sunday in August 2019. There are millions in America that have turned away from the worship of our Lord Jesus Christ, that have turned away from the worship of the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when you turn away from God, bad things start happening. Oh, it may not happen all at once, but it'll start happening imperceptibly sometimes, but it'll start happening. You'll start having crazy weather patterns. You'll start having more lightning strikes than you've ever seen. You'll start seeing volcanoes. You'll start seeing all kinds of natural disasters. You'll see crazy things happening in El Paso, Texas, when you try to go to Walmart to buy your back-to-school supplies, and somebody's there with a gun. You might be in Northern California at a food festival, but there's somebody there with a gun. You might be at a Walmart in Mississippi, but there's somebody there with a gun. You might be in Dayton, Ohio, but there's somebody there with a gun. There are crazy things happening today, dear ones. But I tell you what, I don't believe that this whole, that, that God's destiny for America is for us to go to hell in a handbasket. I believe that we are great. See, America, you hear a lot about, let's make America great. Well, let's get this clear. America is great not because we're Americans. America is great because God has shed his grace upon America. America... We are great because we had some forefathers that said, we're going to found this nation on the law of God. Henry, not a Henry Blackaby, he's a modern day theologian, but there was a, a lawyer from England named Blackaby, and he had, he's the one who we adopted our, almost our entire judicial system from and our entire code of conduct as a government, and he had gotten all of his information from the Bible. Dear ones, we were the only one, we call it the great American experiment. We were the only nation in the history of the world outside of Israel. We're the only nation that was founded according not to man's idea, but according to what God wanted to do. And yet we're drifting, yet we're, we're shifting. We're seeing people that don't want to give God the time of day. They don't think anything of the church. They don't think anything of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, God's the one that created this whole world. God's the one that put breath in our lungs. God has made us, not we ourselves. And he's going to have the last say. 
And I don't know about you, but I think we need to fast and we need to pray and we need to believe God for a Holy Ghost revival. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost still knows how to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. Can you say hallelujah? Amen. Well, these boys had been taken captive back to Babylon because of the sins of the nation of Judah. Verse 4, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. Verse 8, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, why did he do that? Why was he determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king? There are probably two reasons. Number one, it wasn't kosher. Good Jewish boys weren't supposed to eat pork, okay? So this probably was a, a diet laced with pork. Now, I have to be honest with you. I'm kind of glad that Paul said every kind of food is acceptable here in the New Covenant because I, I kind of like some bacon every now and then, amen? <laughs> My wife loves a good pork chop. But that might have been one reason. The other reason is that this food and beverage was probably dedicated to a foreign God before it was served to these boys. And Daniel said, hey, we're going to set ourselves apart. We're going to consecrate ourselves. We're going to dedicate ourselves. We don't want to eat this stuff. Now, verse 9, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Do you see that? God gave the chief of staff respect and affection for Daniel. We call that the favor of God. Dear ones, I want you to know the favor of God on your life will change the way people treat you. The favor of God on your life will change the way people look at you. The, the favor of God on your life will cause people to bless you and help you when they don't even have an intention of blessing you and helping you. One time Kathy and I, we're wanting a, a, a home, a bigger home. We had a little townhouse, and it was fine when it was just me and Kathy. And then when little Terry came, it was still fine. But man, when her sister Catherine came, it just wasn't big enough. And we just started praying, oh, God, we need a bigger house. And we prayed about that for, for over a year. And we just kept saying, God, we thank you for your favor. We thank you. And everything that we like, we couldn't afford. And everything that liked us, we didn't want. You know what I'm talking about? And one day I was reading the paper, and there's this neighborhood we really liked called Fairfield in Virginia Beach. But we couldn't touch the houses there. And I found a, a little ad in the paper. It said, home in Fairfield for sale. Will sell or trade for a townhouse. I said, ooh, well, Lord, that sounds like for me. 
We went to see this, the, 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 these people that owned it. They showed us the house. We offered them substantially less, substantially less than it was being offered for. And we said, we will sell you our townhouse, but we asked for full appraised value for our townhouse. And this man said, I don't know why I'm doing this. This does not make sense, but I'm going to do this deal. I, I'm just telling you, there is a God. There's a, the Bible says, the Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. You say, well, I got some enemies. Well, I'll tell you what the Bible says. It says that God's going to spread a table before you in the presence of of your enemies. Glory to God. But you've got to look up to heaven and say, Lord, I thank you for spreading this table before me. God, I thank you. I may have an enemy over here called lack. I may have an enemy over here called sickness. I may have an enemy over here called emotional distress. I may have an enemy over here that calls relational pain. I don't know what that enemy might be in your life, but you've got to look up to heaven and say, God, I thank you that you're spreading a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Hallelujah. Mm -mm -mm. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good this morning. Mm. Verse 10, he responded. He says, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. And Daniel spoke with the attendants who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days. Everybody say 10 days. 10 days. Test us for 10 days. We're just going on a three-day fast, okay? But this is 10 days. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. And at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine offered for the others. And God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and of dreams. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude, an unusual ability to, to retain what they read, an unusual ability to understand and to comprehend. If you're a student, let me just tell you, you just need to say, Lord God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is giving me an unusual aptitude to understand what I'm studying. If you're a business person, listen to me. If you're a mom or a dad or a single person, you just need to say, Lord God, I thank you that you're giving me an unusual aptitude to study and to learn. Man, when I was in high school, if you looked in Webster's Dictionary under bad student, you would have seen my picture. I was not a good student in high school. I, I mean, I just, I didn't know how to study, and I just was barely getting along. And man, I, I could not have gotten into Florida State University. But Emmanuel College accepted me. And so I go up to Emmanuel College, and man, I still didn't know how to study. I was making bad grades. 
In fact, I, 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 there was one class I decided to withdraw from, so I just quit going. I didn't know you had to go to the registrar's office and officially withdraw. You know, if you just stop going to a class, you know what that does to your GPA? That destroys your grade point average. I mean, you get a fat zero there. You get a fat F on that transcript. You get too many bad grades on a transcript. It's hard to pull it back up. But I'm going to tell you, when I was a sophomore in college, I began to pray. I read this verse of scripture that God gave them unusual aptitude and God helped them. And I had to learn how to study and I had to learn how to apply myself. But I'm going to tell you, when I got my bachelor's degree from college, I was on the dean's list. That was a miracle. Man, when I got my first master's degree, I was magna cum laude. Whatever that is. When I got my second master's degree, I was magna cum laude. Holla, holla, hallelujah, I guess. Man, I enrolled in the College of William and Mary in a doctoral program. I started taking classes in that. I was doing well. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, you're not supposed to go. I've not called you to higher education. I've called you to pastor. So I just stopped that. I'm telling you, God will help you. Right now, I just, I just prophesy. If you need aptitude, if you say, I have problems learning, in Jesus' name, don't you say, I've got a learning disability. You say, God's given me unusual aptitude to understand. Come on. God's given me unusual aptitude to excel and to do well, whether it's in school or business or whatever you're doing. Glory to God. Verse 18. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any manner requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times better. Everybody say ten times better. Ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his kingdom, in his entire kingdom. Dear ones, that's the favor of God. The favor of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. This is where the whole concept of a Daniel fast comes from. The King James Version puts it this way. It says, Daniel ate no pleasant bread. And so when we suggest that we go on a Daniel fast, we're saying just push aside the bread and the sweets and the meat and just be a, 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 a vegan for a couple of days. And, and, and God will bless you. It'll, it'll help your body too. It'll be good for you. Now you've gotten mighty quiet. I'm not getting any amens on this right now. <laughs> you know, uh, first time I ever tried to preach, I was preaching in a little church on a Sunday night in Atlanta, on the outskirts of Atlanta. And uh, I thought, well, I'll probably preach about, about 45 minutes and then I'll, I'll stop. Well, man, I, I preached my whole sermon in about five minutes. <laughs> Told them everything I knew and more. Now, that's dangerous when you start telling people what you don't know. I was so embarrassed, man. I, I remember going back to the car. I was crying. I just, I remember with bitter tears, I said, God, I'll never try to do this again. I've embarrassed you. I've embarrassed me. Lord, I'll just not try this preaching stuff anymore. But you know, I was kind of like Jeremiah. God's word was shut up in my bones and I couldn't keep quiet. And the day came, I got invited to, to speak again. And so I said, Lord, 
what I'm going to do every time I preach now, I'm going to make sure that I fast and I pray before I preach. Well, I fasted and I prayed and I preached and I bombed. It was bad. Just take, just take my word for it. Got another invitation. I said, Lord, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. I fasted and I prayed and I preached and I bombed. It was bad. I was home for one summer here in Tallahassee. I was here at Evangel over in the other sanctuary. Brother Davis at the close, Brother Wiley T. Davis, who was our pastor here for 14 years, wonderful man of God. He came up to me and says, Terrell, I'm glad you're home for the summer. How about preaching for us tonight? I said, tonight? He said, yes. Well, guess what? I didn't have time to do a whole lot of fasting. I didn't have time to do a whole lot of praying, but I, but I ended up praying the best I could. And I preached that night, and for the first time in my life, there was an anointing in the service, and people were blessed, and it felt so good. And I came out of that situation, and I thought, Lord, what's wrong when I fasted and prayed? Nothing good happened, and here, I didn't even fast, and, and you blessed, and there was an anointing. And I realized, dear ones, that I had made the mistake of putting my faith in my fasting I put my faith in my praying. I put my faith in my self-denial rather than in the grace of God. Dear ones, that which moves mountains is putting your faith in the grace of God. It's not by works that we have done. And fasting is not a work that we do trying to move God's hand. Fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes you. It changes me. It lets God deal with things in our heart that need to be dealt with. Amen? Amen. Well, as we fast and pray for these next three days, let me, let me share with you five prayer points, things that you can focus on. Now, you can write these down, but after service, we've got some copies we're going to give to everyone that wants one, okay? So number one, here's what I'm asking you to do. Cultivate your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Consecrate yourself to God anew and afresh. And that starts with one thing. It starts with surrender. You say, well, I surrendered to the Lord 15 years ago. I don't care. You need to surrender. You need to stay surrendered. You got to keep yourself on the altar. You got to keep yourself. You got to keep your heart supple and, 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 and soft before the Lord. You need to consecrate yourself to the Lord. Dear ones, this book of Daniel, if you'll read these 11 chapters, this book of Daniel is all about consecration. It's all about Daniel saying, God, it's not my will, but it's your will be done. God is not about me. It's about you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were consecrated to God. Endurance is so important that we consecrate ourselves to the Lord, that we give ourselves over to God's purposes. Hallelujah. Jesus told us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We need to contend for the will of God. Endurance, here's the problem. A lot of people don't even think about fasting and praying until the bottom drops out of life. They don't even think about it until they got a huge problem. Then they think, well, maybe, maybe I should fast. Maybe I should pray a little bit. But dear ones, I, I, this weekend was real special for our family. My dad, and I'm sorry he's not here today, but he's just not feeling good. Friday night, we celebrated his 90th birthday and 
All of our children came in. Catherine and Byron came in from Charlotte with their two kids. And Christian and Adam came in from Charleston, South Carolina with their two kids. And we had Terry and Paul and their two kids. And so, man, we had chaos at our house. I'll tell you that. Because four of them are under three and a half. I mean, our, our houses look like a war zone. But it's a sweet war zone. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank God. And I was thinking, I was praying and thinking about these three girls and just the way God has blessed them. And I, I couldn't help but think when, when Kathy gave birth to all three of them in the delivery room, we took them in front of the doctors and nurses and we just said, Lord Jesus, thank you for this baby. I held him in my arms. I said, thank you for this little girl, Lord. We give them back to you. We consecrate them to you. Lord, we give them to you. And over the years, I bet we prayed as we rocked those babies. I, I, we've got thousands and thousands of hours of prayer where we prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done over this child's life. And we prayed, Lord, someplace out there, there's a little boy that's going to grow up and he's going to be the husband of this little girl. One day he's going to be my son-in-law and one day they're going to have children. I pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done over his life, over his mom and daddy. Give them wisdom. Help them in decision making, Lord God. Hallelujah. See, you don't wait till you have a problem to get consecrated to the Lord. Dear ones, Daniel didn't wait until he got in the lion's den to learn how to exercise faith in God. If you wait until you get in the lion's den, you're probably not going to be able to exercise faith in God. If you wait till the doctor says there's cancer to exercise faith in God, you're probably not going to know how to exercise faith in God. If you wait until the bottom drops out of life to start exercising faith in God and start believing God, you probably are not going to be successful. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had waited until they got in the fiery furnace to start exercising faith in God, to be consecrated to God, you know what? They probably wouldn't have come out of that fiery furnace, but they exercised faith in God. They said, oh, king, we're not going to bow to your idols. We're not going to bow. We may perish, but we're not going to bow. And they got in that fiery furnace and they began walking around. And you'll read about it here in this book of Daniel. They begin walking around and the king says, didn't we throw three men in there? But I see four and the fourth looks like the son of God. Hallelujah. If you want Jesus to be involved in your problems, if you want Jesus to get involved in your lives, you better consecrate yourself to him today. You better renew your mind with his word today. You better start learning what it means to walk in faith today. You better spend time fasting and seeking God when things are relatively good. Don't you wait. If you wait, you're going to be one of those people that call me and say, oh, pastor, oh, pastor, please pray, 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 pray. And I believe in praying. In fact, boy, here's, the favorite, here's the favorite phrase of a lot of people. Pray hard, pastor. Pray, pray. Yeah, we'll pray. No, pastor, pray hard. Pray real hard. Well, I believe in praying through. I believe in pressing in. I believe in staying through. <laughs> Glory to God. Mm. Mm. Number two, pray Psalms 139, verses 23 through 24, which says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Come on, make this your prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I was a young pastor. 
I wanted to be God's man of faith and power for the hour. I was ready to say, Billy Graham, move over. Here I come. I set aside seven days for fasting and prayer, and the first two days, it was hard. The only thing I got was a headache. I, I can just tell you, it was hard. The reason you get headaches is because we've got toxins running in our bodies, and sometimes those, that old caffeine, if you're used to having a lot of caffeine and you stop drinking the caffeine, sometimes those little toxins will give you a headache. You know, if you're used to, you know, if you're used to enjoying Krispy Kreme every day, did you hear the story about the man that went on a three-day fast? He was on a three-day fast. He got to day three. He walked by a bakery and his stomach began to rumble and growl. And he stopped. He said, just for that, three more days. <laughs> First two days were hard. The third day, I just kind of was prayed out. Man, I'd been laying on the carpet and doing carpet time and just groaning before the Lord and moaning and praying about everything in the world I could think of and consecrating myself to the Lord. And I just got quiet and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he said, Terrell, you've got unforgiveness in your heart towards other people. I said, no, I don't. Oh, foolish man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I was misquoting Romans there. Um, I thought, I don't think I do. And then I said, well, who then? Who? And person after person started coming to my mind, all the way back to my childhood. And I took a piece of paper and I just began writing their names. And I ended up with a long list of names. And for the rest of those days of prayer and fasting, I wasn't praying to be God's man of faith and power for the hour. I was praying, Jesus, I forgive this person. Would you forgive me for holding on to grudges? Would you forgive me for holding on to bitterness? See, dear ones, sometimes we don't know what's inside us. Sometimes you can have a deep-seated spirit of fear and not know it. Be, be traumatized by anxiety. I'm convinced that a lot of us that are quote, control freaks, what's really going on inside us is we've got so many fears and we've tried to manage and control our fears over the years by trying to be in control of life and we don't even realize it. Sometimes there can be fear. Sometimes there can be anger. Sometimes there can be all kinds of stuff inside us. And as we fast and pray, it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to put his hand on what's going on inside us. Number three, I'm going to ask you to pray for our church. I ask you to pray for Holy Ghost revival. I ask you to pray for conviction of sin. I ask you to pray for salvations and healings. My, my dad, bless his heart, even at age 90, he and I were praying the other day. And he stopped and he began to prophesy. He says, son, he says, I see healings at Evangel. He says, I see people being healed. He says, I see the Holy Ghost doing things that nobody ever thought was possible. Hallelujah. 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 Pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you know that just last month, on the 28th of June, Dustin Wells laid hands on Vince Graham. Vince Graham got baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, we didn't know that this time, this month, the vents would already be in heaven. But God just gave him some heaven to go to heaven in. Hallelujah. Folks, pray that people will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Get, if, you don't, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, get hungry for God. Oh, man. The Holy Spirit's our down payment on all eternity. Glory to God. Pray for me. Pray for our pastors. Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Look at this scripture with me. Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Do we have it? We do, we don't. It's not there, okay. Well, let me read it to you. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. He says, I want you to pray for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea. Dear ones, pray for your pastors. Pray that we'll be kept safe. Pray that other believers here will be kept safe in Jesus' name because not everybody loves the Lord. Then he says, pray that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there. In other words, pray for the favor of God. Believe God for the favor. He says, so that I may come to you with joy. Pray for the joy of the Lord because that's our strength. He says, I want to come to you by joy, by the will of God. Pray that you'll be in the will of God and, and, and come into your company, he says, and be refreshed. Pray for seasons of refreshment that come from the very throne of God. Hallelujah. Second Thessalonians chapter three. I'm guessing we don't have that scripture either. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verses one and two says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. So pray that people will respond to the preaching of God's word. You say, well, pastor, you're not a very good preacher. Well, dear ones, I do the best I can, but pray for me and I'll get better. Pray for me and I'll get better. Pray for the pastors. Pray for the evangelists. Pray for the missionaries. Verse 2, and pray that you may be delivered from wicked and evil people for not everyone has faith. Pray for protection. Pray for deliverance. Glory to God. Number four, I'm asking you to pray for our building project. Pray for the expansion of our lobby. Pray for the elevator that's going to be placed out in the lobby going down to the cafe. Pray for the new facade we're going to put on the front of, of, of this building and going all the way around to the old Bainber, uh, to the high road side. You know, pray for the, as we do the roof over on this particular building, as we do some more things that are involved, pray that we'll get the permitting, pray that we'll have favor with the city, pray we'll have favor with the county, pray, for, pray that we'll have favor with the Canopy Roads Commission. Pray for the one and a half to two million dollars we need to do this project. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number five. Pray for God's will for your life. Pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heavens. Dear ones, I pray for you. I pray for your finances. So you pray, pray for your finances and your health and your family and your relationships. Press into God. Believe him for great things. Hallelujah. But it all starts. It all starts with your relationship with God because it's your relationship with God that's where the anointing is stimulated and that's where the anointing flows out of your life. Your ability to discern the voice of God comes from your walk with Jesus. 
Sometimes we preachers, we really emphasize that God loves you. God loves you. He cares about you. He loves you. He accepts you and he forgives you. That's absolutely true. But dear ones, we've got to reciprocate that love and we've got to respond to that love and we've got to consecrate ourselves to him. We've got to surrender ourselves to him. Everybody stand all over the house. I ask everybody standing, I want you to, to join us down here for a season of consecrating ourselves to the Lord anew and afresh. I'm asking you to, to step out and come down here and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you anew and afresh. Jesus, I consecrate myself to you. I give myself to you. Lord, I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. I don't want any part of my life that's unsurrendered. God, I don't want to just be given over to you halfway. I don't want just 70% of me given over to you. God, I want to give you 100% of me. I'm placing myself on the altar this morning. That's it. Come in as close as you can so people behind you can come in. Come in just as close as you can. Lord, I'm positioning myself on the altar this morning. I'm presenting myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable service. Lord God, I give myself to you this morning. Lord, I consecrate myself to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Come on, press in now. Press in. The Bible says when Zion travailed, sons and daughters were born in Israel. When Zion travailed, I want you to start travailing. Come on, open your mouth. Force the air through your lungs, out of your mouth, through your, over your vocal organs. Lord Jesus, we press into you. We give ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. God, we consecrate ourselves to you. God, we repent of sin. Lord, we don't want sin to have any place in our lives, but Lord, we give ourselves to you. Come on, I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. I'll do what you want me to do, Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be who you want me to be. Lord God, I give myself to you without reservation. Oh, Lord God. I'll close the book, Lord Jesus, on so many things in life that don't please you, Lord Jesus. If need be, Lord God, I'll fast from social media. If need be, Lord God, I'll fast not only from food, but I'll, I'll, I'll fast from, 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 from anything that would be a deterrent, anything that would stand between you and me. Lord God, I give myself wholly to you in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I give you praise and I give you glory. I give you praise and I give you glory, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.